This is Issues 2022. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Joan Tammany, Executive Director, ComCare of Sedgwick County. Welcome to Issues 2022, Joan. Oh, thank you, Steve. I look forward to it. Let's, uh, let's begin, if we could, with a little background. Exactly what is ComCare of Sedgwick County? So ComCare is the Community Mental Health Center. We're licensed by the state, and our goal is to provide services to those with severe and persistent mental illnesses or youth with severe emotional disturbances um, and the under and uninsured, as well as anyone else seeking um, mental health services in the community. Are there ComCare of Sedgwick County? Are there other ComCares around Kansas, Lynn? No, we're located in Sedgwick County. It's the, there's, this is the only ComCare. Okay. Yeah. So, is yes. ComCare? How, how are you funded? Is this funded by the state or by the county? How's that? How does that work? Well, it's a, it's we have um, multiple funding streams. So we do get um, state contract dollars to to support us to provide services to those that are uninsured or underinsured. We also bill for services through Medicaid and commercial insurance. Um, we do have some federal grants to support our um, our efforts, and then we get some funding from the county for targeted programs um, to help with jail diversions. Well, how many how many people actually work at ComCare? Oh, right now, well, we have about 561 positions, but we've we've got some vacancies, so we're 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 about 370 employees at this time. So you got some vacancies then? Kind of like are you like other people just having having difficulty finding people, or is it just uh, seasonal, or what is yeah, it? Yeah, you know, and, and for, yeah, we do, we do have um, you know the reality is is that our pay scale has been below market value for quite some time. And people have chosen to leave for um, work that affords them a higher income and a higher standard of living. But um, also, the work we do here at ComCare is difficult and complex. We work with um, folks with some of the most serious disorders. um, And so people have chosen to leave the field. Um, But we're working on that pay issue right now and hope to have that resolved in, in, in the next few weeks. And uh, how many programs and services do you provide through CompCare? And um, we have seven uh, programs right now, targeted toward different populations. So it could be um, that we have an adult service program, we have children's services, mm-hmm. we have services um, focused on um, keeping offenders out of the detention facility, and um, our flagship, of course, which is um, the most prevalent or known program is our crisis, our 24-hour crisis services. Recently, mental health providers across the country went to a 988 phone number for people considering suicide and other mental health concerns, as I understand it. Uh, Have you had any problems uh, with the new 988 number? No, we haven't had any problems. We're actually one of the lifeline centers, so we answer um, calls that come from a 316 area code through 988. So if we can't pick up the phone within a short period of time, it bounces to our backup and Lawrence, and um, if Lawrence can't pick it up, then it backs up to um, a national um, call center. So 
So ComCare has successfully been able to um, manage the call volume that we've received so far with 988, knowing it's pretty early on in the in the, the you know the promotion of that line. So people aren't all that familiar. What's most interesting about the calls we've been receiving is um, we've had a lot of inquiries. We've had a lot of hang-ups, um, which we expected because we know people are, you know, like sticking their toe in the water to make sure if they call the line that somebody's going to answer it. Um, and just a lot of people calling and saying they wish it was available to their family members years and years ago um, before the loss of a loved one. So, um, so far we haven't had an increase in suicide-related phone calls, but we've certainly had quite a bit of activity around the launch and um, testing out the line. Well, as far as volume is concerned, if you, are you, do you get a reading on how many people are actually calling the line in a day, a week, a month, or whatever? Well, it's estimated that across the state of Kansas that will will increase by about 64,000 calls a year. Um, in Sedgwick County, we're anticipating a you know, doubling our call volume, um, which we average about a thousand or more calls a, a month. So we anticipate that doubling over the next year. Um, and we have hired some additional staff to help uh, with that that coverage. So our hope is that we capture most of the folks that call from a 316 area code so that they get services local. Joan, help us to understand uh, this problem with suicide. Uh, how big a problem this has become. I know, you know, I've talked about it before and I've done interviews over the years about, uh, you know, how it impacts young people and uh, different demographics and so forth. But how how big a problem is suicide in Sedgwick County then? Um, well, it's a, you know, we're, we're a, our suicide rate in Sedgwick County is higher than the national average and it's the highest in the state of Kansas. So it's it's definitely a concern you know, suicide is the second leading cause of death for those between the ages of 15 and 24. And, you know, in, in my eyes, and you and I have talked about this previously, is uh, one death is just one too many. I mean, it's, it's, it's tragic when somebody at a young age of 15, 16, 20, 21 um, sees no option but to take their own life. So for, for us, being a partner in this 988 um, launch nationally, uh, my hope is that people get comfortable calling a hotline um, because we know if you can get somebody through the moment of desperation that their likelihood of following through with that um, thought is is low. So I, I'm concerned. I mean, we know we have seen um, an increase of youth seeking services. We have seen uh, an a horrifically high number of youth who are being hospitalized right now. When we do see the youth in our crisis center or in our services, um, children's services, their needs are much greater. Their their symptoms are much more acute than they were maybe four, five, six years ago and definitely more than 10 years ago. So the trajectory is definitely going in the wrong direction. Um, and. Uh, collectively, as a community, we're going to have to continue to seek out new solutions to help these youth who are really struggling. Um, and we know the pandemic didn't help. Well, we uh, it seems like we've talked, or I've talked to somebody several years ago, and we're going through a tough economic times. And there was a, an uptick 
in suicides among uh, uh, men over 50. Uh, does that still hold true? Or, or I would imagine one of the problems with those people are they're not the ones who are going to call the 988 number, the people that age. Yeah, you're right. Um, I don't know that that statistic has changed since yeah. the last time we spoke, but um, it is a population that we keep our eye out and we assess if we have the opportunity to to work with them. I think, you know, oftentimes we'll get a call from a loved one or a concerned other on that population. My biggest concern is those calls are now typically going to 911, mm. which of course is going to produce a law enforcement response or a fire or an EMS response yeah. when it's really a mental health response that is needed. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up because we're working collectively with 911 presently to try to embed a clinician into the 911 line so that we can um, we could be a warm handoff for those calls that come through 911 for the demographic you're talking about. But you're right, they don't typically call. Um, and so it's important that our primary care partners are screening routinely because the population does go to, you know, physical health care and making sure that they're making those connections um, if they screen positive for depression. You, you brushed on this uh, moments ago, but what impact has that COVID pandemic had on local suicide rates, and on mental health in general. Yeah, I, I, you know, our suicide um, numbers haven't, haven't changed dramatically um, so far yet this year, which is good. We don't want those numbers going up. Um, but I will tell you that, like, like I mentioned a moment ago, is um, when, we, when we do have people come in for services um, and take that, that step to improve their life, they are struggling a lot more than they were before. I mean, the symptoms of depression are more dire. The anxiety is much more overwhelming. Um, you know, the fear of um, not having a productive future is is very evident in those we're seeing. And, you know, the thing I worry about is that has implications on um, people's ability to go to work every day, you know, and we all know that work is one of those meaningful and purposeful things that drive us each day. So I, the, the community implications are huge. Um, and then the economic impact for the population that's really struggling um, if, they're, if they're, they were working and no longer can work. Um, yeah, it's that the pandemic has not been good to emotional health for many, many people for many, many different reasons. You know, I'm told the state's largest mental health facility now is the Sedgwick County Jail, meaning people with mental health issues are going to jail. You know, there's been a, a talk about a new state-funded mental health facility in the area. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that idea? Well, you know, if you would have asked me three years ago, I would have said, wow, that would be incredible because I believe care delivered close to home is much more um beneficial than care delivered um, at a distance where loved ones can't be uh, you know, involved in discharge planning or care while they're in the facility. My worry today is um, workforce. Um, and, you know, uh, we, don't, we don't have the workforce. The hospitals don't have the workforce. Nonprofits don't have the workforce. So a state facility, um, while meaningful, um, and needed 
is going to draw on the existing workforce that's already marginal, you know. And, and so for me, um, I have mixed feelings about it. I Like I mentioned, I, I believe care delivered close to home is important. I believe um, that the state system is broken to a significant degree. Um, I just don't know how it's going to be a reality and staff sufficiently to actually produce the number of beds that are being proposed. You're listening to Issues 2022 on the Odyssey radio stations, and our guest is Joan Tammany, Executive Director of ComCare of Sedgwick County. That's that's interesting, Joan, just seeing that impact, you know, the private sector in different places. Uh, they say, we got jobs opening, but we don't have the people to fill them. Wow, and even going into the... To, to what you do in mental health care. Oh, wow. Well, you know, ComCare deals with, with drug and alcohol abuse problems. Is meth still our number one drug concern in Sedgwick County, Joan? Well, well, meth is the most common used drugs, but, you know, you're hearing it all over the place that fentanyl is becoming a um, real significant public health issue um, because this is a whole new population of people who may have never used anything before and then they take a what they think is a Percocet or a, another pill that's laced with fentanyl and all of a sudden you've got a, a medical and psychiatric crisis on your hand and in sadly way too many instances a death due to fentanyl overdose. So um, yes, meth is still the most common and the most prevalent reason people seek treatment with with us and our community partners who have substance abuse provider agencies, but um, uh, people are dying and really having tragic outcomes, be it a hospitalization or other physical complications uh, due to fentanyl. So that's a big push educationally right now. Well, how, how can we educate people then, especially our young people, to the dangers of fentanyl? I mean, you're talking about education, but how do we do it? How do we reach them uh, in in big numbers? Yeah, I th- you know I, that's a that's a big question because you've got to with you, you asked specifically about our youth and youth youth follow other youth, so you've got to get you know we've got to be able to hit those that have influence. Um, so it has to be from the peer group, um, and so I think meaningful conversations with parents who then have meaningful conversations with their youngsters. Um, You know, we all know one pill can kill. So, I mean, that's the message that's being distributed nationally um, as well as locally. But it, it, it has to be on the radio, on TV, on social media platforms, on stuff that's going out in the schools. You know, we're, we're starting a new semester pretty shortly. Um, for school and making sure that information gets into the hands of families and, and youth um, and and building forums where youth can talk to youth about the dangers of of um, drugs that are laced, you know, I, you know, and making sure that if you you have the ability to talk to your peer and say, you know, I want you around tomorrow, don't take that pill. Yeah. Um, those are the conversations that have to occur, but it's it's hitting it from every possible ang- angle because our youth are not watching traditional TV. They're not reading a newspaper. So we have to look at other platforms, social media platforms, and 
um, social networking um, opportunities to get that message out. It's it's scary to me. I, I can't even imagine what it's like to be a parent in today's time and age. <laughs> what do you, as, as parents and, and grandparents, what are the signs uh, that we should look for in our kids uh, uh, to know that they are suspe- suspect that they're using drugs? Are there signs we can look for? Well, I mean, if they're using substances on a regular basis, um, they're, they're more likely to be signs. But if they're just going to a party with friends, it's knowing who that friend group is and what do they do when they get together. But, I mean, if you've got somebody who truly is abusing substances on a fairly routine basis, I mean, if you're thinking about marijuana, you're looking at somebody who may be sleeping more or starting to pull away from family activities or not wanting to join people for a meal or um, getting surly when you're starting to want to have a casual conversation that in the past would have been normal and now is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so those those characteristics are a lot easier to find, but if you're just using periodically, it's really knowing and having regular conversations with your youth about anything that's important in their life. So it's, 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 and if those patterns of conversation change, um, that's when you might want to try to figure out what's going on. I'd like to talk a little bit more about men and depression for a moment. You know, several of my friends have admitted some pretty dark days during the pandemic. And these are guys who are usually very up and, and positive about everything. Uh, during the pandemic though, uh, you know, take it we mature guys are, are not alone, but uh, uh, we're seeing that among guys my in my age group. Hi, Steve, did I lose you? Okay, I got, I got you back. Um, so you're asking um, what can we do with that population or just your thoughts, uh, my thoughts yeah, on that thoughts population? On, Is that what you're asking? Yeah, your thoughts on, 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 the, on the mature gentleman who, uh, this pandemic's had an impact yeah. on everybody though, right? Right. Right. It has, but you're right. And, and men um, don't tend to ask for help. Um, and often the driver for physical health care, even for men, is, is a spouse or a loved one pushing them to take care of themselves. So I think the real important thing is awareness um, and then trying to craft um, opportunities for social interaction with with people because I think you know as people start becoming depressed they tend to isolate more and when you isolate more you're stuck with your own thoughts and having activities that can divert you from those 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 negative thinking that's the big thing I mean it we feel what we think um, and the brain is very much connected to how we're going to experience our world around us. So, you know, we have to find opportunities um, to shift that thinking so that, that, you know, and physical activity, you know, getting out and just getting fresh air and going for a walk, um, anything that's purposeful or meaningful in this particular population of men is really, really, really important right now. And the pandemic has really isolated people, and, and even beyond just the physical isolation, it's the emotional isolation. You know, people have experienced this pandemic in very different and distinct ways, and the losses and the grief that has come with it are pretty significant and particularly profound 
and people that recognize that this is a big deal. Um, and, you know, I see it a lot um, with the population that has tried to do all the right things, you know, doing the social isolation, wearing masks. Um, um, but, again, the most important thing is to look at your lifestyle choices um, and um, try to just change one thing. And that might mean getting up a little earlier. It might mean trying to walk around the block or go get your mail or go for a drive and open the window and let the breeze hit your face. But it's experiencing life um, in a way that changes the thought pattern. Joan, what is, it, what is there about ComCare that you wish more people knew or understood about your organization? Well, I, you know, this is, this is an intriguing question, Steve, because, you know, mental health and the need for mental health and how to access mental health is complicated because it's no different than any other specialty health care, and you often um, don't know how to access it until you need it. But I want the community to know that ComeCare is a community resource, and if you're struggling, Call our crisis line at 660-7500 or the new 988 number will most likely get you, if you have an area code of 316 phone, to our lifeline here in Sedgwick County. And if not, it's going to be picked up by somebody else who's caring and compassionate. But I think for me is um, I wish the stigma around mental health was gone. I think we're getting better, particularly in youth. But I think for um, adults, it's still a struggle, and having feelings and emotions that can get overwhelming is nothing to be ashamed of. And I want people to know that we're here, we care, um, and we want people to reach out. You, uh, you, you talked about uh, how many people that actually work comp care and how many you wish you had. Do you use volunteers? And if so... Do you need volunteers, Joan? Well, you know, we don't do volunteers right now, and a lot of that is around the issues of confidentiality, but I've really been thinking a lot about that lately because um, I know that there are a lot of grassroots efforts in the community that feel that, you know, they have something to bring to the table, and I, I genuinely believe that. So I think we need to start having that conversation Um because I could think of, you know, particular programs, you know, our youth while they're waiting in a waiting room, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have like a lobby pal or, you know, activities at our crisis center that aren't just all therapeutic but are life enriching. So while right now we're not doing a lot of volunteer activity, I do think I'm going to be looking at that over the next 12 months because I think there's a lot that can um be brought forth. I know I get a lot of calls from uh, police officers that would like to help us with our crisis lines and um, um, churches who want to bring in an element of faith into our services or um, some of our minority population grassroots yeah. groups that well, um, would like to help us. So, you know, people are offering and I need to listen to that and figure out a way to embrace that and you, uh, uh, take you, advantage of and, we, and, and, and Joan, we're out of time, but I want to thank you for being with us. ComCare on the front line with this uh, mental health, and we uh, appreciate what you're doing, and, and good luck to you. 
Our guest is Joan Tammany, Executive Director, ComCare of Sedgwick County. That's all for this edition of Issues 2022. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.